I was 14 years old when I lifted weights for the first time. Like our football coach uh, at Michigan Lutheran Seminary where I went, I went to high school, encouraged us to get in the weight room after our first football season was officially done. He walked us through, showed us how to use all the equipment, told us not to do anything really foolish, and cut us loose. And his words of encouragement were the why behind the what. Bigger, faster, stronger. Like we want you to get bigger so you can be better at blocking. We want you to get stronger so you can do a better job uh, in your role. We want you to be faster because faster is important in athletics. Bigger, faster, stronger. And I understood that working out would cause a little pain, but I, I heard his words loud and clear that there would be a gain. Like you get bigger, you get faster, you get stronger. As a sophomore, you get to start on the junior varsity. Bigger, faster, stronger when you become a junior means you might get some playing time, maybe play one way on a team that's made up of juniors and seniors. And as a senior, if you get big enough, fast enough, strong enough, you might be able to play both ways, both offense and defense, to help bless the team. And I also saw the results in other people. My freshman year was the First year, I believe the only year that, that our high school ever won the state football championship in the state of Michigan. Like I saw the guys who were bigger. <laughs> I experienced what it looked like to be faster and I know, knew and saw the importance of being stronger. And they also let us know that there was not just a goal of bigger, faster, stronger, but if you got stronger and you worked out hard, you, the gain that you got was a free t-shirt. Like, I know it sounds really bad, but the free t-shirt said, pound for pound club. Like, if you could bench your weight, you got a t-shirt on it. And all the cool guys had those. And so that was my goal. Like, the pain of lifting weights served a great purpose, and there was a gain athletically and personally. And yes, along the way, there was a lot of pain. Like, no offense, anyone who's ever done leg day knows how painful the next day is. Like you look like something's wrong with you when you're walking around the hallways of the dormitory. And yes, some torn muscles along the way, some stretched out muscles along the way that, that hurt and there was pain. In fact, one time when doing decline bench, the barbell went not where it was supposed to go up, but backwards on my face, on the bridge of my nose and lips, and that really hurt a lot. There was pain along the way. Don't do decline bench without someone spotting. That's also another good tip of advice. And there was gain. Like, I was able to play a whole lot my sophomore year, a lot more my junior year, and go both ways my senior year. And eventually, my senior year, I got a pound-for-pound club t-shirt with 400 pounds on it. Like, that's a lot of plates on the side, and no, I can't bench 400 pounds right now. If I did, I wouldn't be preaching for six weeks. I'd be having surgery and recovering. <laughs> and that reality of no pain, no gain is a life motto that many people understand and and are willing to go through a great deal of pain if they know there's a gain. Like, every athlete understands it. Olympic athletes really get it. Anyone who's a mother understands and knows that that pregnancy and nine months of it come with pains, but childbirth is filled with pain, but in the moment when you hold your child for the first time, the gain is worth it. 
Same might be true for students who are in college who are studying because they know they have to take a big test and pass it in order to get that job, get that license approved. Like hours and hours, week after week, maybe for months of studying, it's a lot of pain and sacrifice, but there's a gain. And maybe it's true at work. Like when you get that first job, you know you have to start at the bottom of the ladder, but you understand doing the menial, working really hard, following through, showing up on time, executing the tasks in front of you will allow you opportunity to to work up the ladder and experience the gain. And I think you all get that. The older you are, you've gone through that. And the tension behind it. Like we're all willing to accept the pain when we know there's some gain. But not the opposite. Like when we hear the phrase, no pain, no gain, we get it. Like some pain is required, but gain will be experienced. But if you flip it around, if there's no gain, like if there's no benefit, if there's no win, then the tension that you and I probably experience, the expression that we sometimes would yell out is, no pain. Like if there is no gain, then I don't want any pain. Or maybe even better, the tension could be when there's no gain, we raise a question. Why pain? Like, let's just be honest. If you get out of college and and you go for interviews and and they interview and say, we'd love to give you this job, but here's the reality of it. You're going to do the most menial tasks every day. You are never going to get advanced. You are never going to get a promotion. There's no hope for you to climb any ladder. You will always stay on the bottom of the ladder. You are going to go through a whole lot of pain, and there's going to be no gain for you. Like, how many of you would take that job? Well, if you're desperate, maybe, to get some experience, but most of you would say, no, thank you. Like, if there was no gain from working out, being physically fit, from taking care of your body, going through the rehab of all that it goes through, no offense, I would rather sleep until 7 o'clock than get up at 4.45 as I do every morning because that's painful. Like we all get the reality. When there's no gain, we prefer that there can't be any pain. And sometimes why does it exist? That's really the tension for today. Why this promise is so important today. Because we live in a world where a lot of times the pain that we go through, the suffering that we face, the things that we endure, we look at them and ask the question, there appears to be no gain in this. And you know what happens when that's real? God gets questioned. Because here's the thing, if you are a Christian, here's the thing, if you are a believer, here's the thing a lot of unbelievers say is their biggest argument against God and God's existence. If there is a God and he is good, there should be no such thing as pain. Like some of you have friends who've expressed that. Some of you are no people who were Christians at one point in their life and they're not anymore because of that. And maybe you've experienced that and you've wrestled with that. Like that is real and that's why this promise is so important. And the truths that we share, that I have for you today, I pray will help bless you in that tension. When there's pain and it appears that there's no gain, is God at work? Is God present? Can God use it? Does God care? Like every question you've asked, the things that you've gone through, 
I, I, I hope and pray these words can encourage you. Because Christians for thousands of years have been wrestling with it. The Psalms are full of it. The Apostle Paul dealt with it. In fact, God inspired him to write about it. And so today's truth and today's promises are all found mostly in the book of Romans. As the Apostle Paul, someone who knew pain and suffering, understood the Roman Christians were undergoing pain and suffering for their faith. And I pray that you are blessed today as we dig into it to see truths that help us with that tension. Can God use it? Can God work in it? In the pain. Now here's truth number one that's important to this promise of God because if we don't remember this, if we don't understand this, it causes so much spiritual tension for us, a lack of peace for us, a, a whole lot of doubt in, in God from us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation, everything around us, the, the, all that was created, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Like the trees and the plants and the animals, you know what they never did? Sin. But you know what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Everything in all creation got broken as a result. It all went sideways. That's what the Apostle Paul is describing there. Like creation is waiting for the pain to be gone, for the decay to disappear, for the struggle that is this world to no longer be. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Like the pain that builds and increases along the, the weeks and months of pregnancy as the pain gets bigger, uh, as delivery approaches. Like that's what the world in which we live is like. It's groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Here's the truth when there's pain that I need you to remember that we need to hold on to because it, it matters for the promise that you're about to hear that God's going to give in Romans chapter 8. Truth number one, when it comes to pain, pain was never a part of God's plan. Never, ever, ever was pain a part of God's plan. Perfection was God's plan. 100% joy and peace was God's plan. Like God made everything in all of creation to be a blessing to Adam and Eve, the pinnacle of his creation. But here's the sad truth, and it's a hard pill to swallow, and we wish it was different. But the sin of Adam and Eve brought into this world pain. We're not just fallen people. We're fallen people tainted by sin who live and do life with other fallen people who are tainted by sin, who live in a fallen world where everything in creation is tainted by sin. Like every last thing on the face of planet Earth is touched and tainted by sin. Pain is real because Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, not God. God is not the author of pain. Pain is a result of sin authored by Adam and Eve. It wasn't a part of God's plan. And in the face of that sin, God made a promise, and we're going to come back to that in a few minutes, but he also told the truth. As a result of your sin, Adam, there will be pain. Like, work will be hard. Eve, as a result of your sin, childbirth will be filled with pain. And I have no clue what childbirth would have been like 
in a world of perfection, but it wouldn't have been included pain. And Adam, to dust, from dust you were made, to dust you'll return. There'll be loss and death, which will cause pain. And that wasn't a part of God's plan. For you to truly appreciate this promise, you have to begin with that reality and truth. Because when we know that to be true, it helps us when fear is high, when doubts rear their ugly head, when the devil seeks to get you to question God, question his love, question his presence, remember that pain is not a signal uh, that God is not there. Pain is not a doing of God's. You might allow it and permit it this side of heaven because we know we can step into it, but he's not the author of it or reason for it. Sin is. Adam and Eve's, the one you're born with, the sins that we commit, pain. And that truth changes the perspective then on the promise that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But before we get to that, I need you to see what comes next in the book of Romans chapter 8. Not only does God tell us that pain was not a part of God's plan, that all creation waits for this to not, no longer be the present and be different, but then God says this a few verses later, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, when there is pain... Do you sometimes struggle with what to say? When there is pain, do you sometimes wrestle with, does God know what I'm going through, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I, what I want to say but I can't say? Does, does God know? Is God present? We do not know what we ought to pray for. Ever felt like that? <laughs> You're not alone. The Spirit, but in those moments, the Spirit of God himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Like God knows. God is present. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows the, the fear that might be rearing its ugly head. It might be the paralyzing reality of the pain that you are in. Like God knows. God gets it. God is present. And as a result, the Spirit promises this. He intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Like I so want to get it right all the time. Be in tune with what God wants. And the Spirit's promise is when you're not sure what that is, when you don't know what to say, God knows God is present and he speaks the truth to God. Like week one, we talked about this truth of God's, this promise of God's, that God is present. I just want to add that to this promise. It's so important for this promise. In fact, all the promises interweave with one another at different times and in different ways, but it's vital and important to hold on to promise number one when we get to promise number three, that God is present in your pain. The Holy Spirit intercedes when you are suffering and don't know what to say. The God of heaven and earth is there and in the middle of it. He hasn't left you or deserted you. He isn't off the scene of, of your life. No, he is present in the midst of your pain. Which is so important in the spiritual battle that we face. Like to question where are you, God, is so easy to do when there's pain. When there's pain, it's so easy to wonder if God cares about your pain. It's so easy to think, does God even know I'm in pain? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. He's present in your pain. And both of those truths are so vital and important for us to understand the promise of what God has for you and for me when pain is real. Because it's super hard to believe that God can use it for anything good, that there's gain in the pain. 
But when you understand the fact that he is not the author of it, when you understand the fact that he is present in it, the amazing reality that God says, in this world where Adam and Eve brought pain into the world, this horrible thing, this thing that I did not plan, yes, I, God, will use it for good. I'll take the bad that they brought and make it good in a world where where pain will exist until the end of time, until my return. And here's where God says that's exactly what he does. A few verses, chapters earlier in Romans, so this would have been known to them before they got to chapter 8. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. Gain. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. In other words, the Apostle Paul literally says, we glory in our sufferings because our sufferings are for good, spiritual good. Suffering produces perseverance, the ability to endure, the ability to move forward, the ability to to not give up in your spiritual life. The, The pain that we go through and experience, God says, produces perseverance. And why is perseverance so important? Because God wants you and me to be people of godly character, to be people where there's kindness and love, where there's humility and patience. Like God wants you to have those fruits. And sometimes the pain that we go through, the sufferings that we go through, they produce perseverance in us and they, they drive us more to God and who God wants us to be. They refine us to be more like God, this side of heaven while we'll never be perfect. Like it produces those things. And at the end of the day, what God wants for you to have and to hold on to is hope. There are some amazing books about pain uh, in our world today by Christian authors. Like one of them written by Philip Yancey, Where is God When It Hurts? When you ask that question, when you're wrestling with the tension, uh, he's got a great book on, on, on pain. And maybe my favorite one, one that is probably more quoted than any other Christian book, is the one by C.S. Lewis, famous Christian author, wrote in the mid-1900s. He identified that people have a problem with pain. The problem with pain uh, is an amazing book that he wrote. And, and his quote would echo what we just talked about in there. Like the perseverance produces character, the character produces hope. One of his best quotes was this, pain shatters the illusion that all is well. Like when all is well with your soul in life because there is no pain, God is not sometimes not so important or present in your mind. But when there's pain, when there's suffering, it shatters the illusion that all is well. We live in a broken world. This world is not how God designed it to be. This is not the eternal destination God wants for you, and pain is used for that. He goes on to say, pain is, shatters the illusion that all is well, that, we, that what we have, the things of this life, good things or bad in and of themselves, it shatters the illusion that what we have is our own and enough for us. Like suffering and pain produce all those things to drive us back to God and his grace, which is all we need at the end of the day. And he wants us to remember that. C.S. Lewis also said, pain is God's megaphone to a dying world. See, here's the truth that I hope you hear in those words, pain serves a purpose. Like it wasn't what God designed the world to be or to face, but God has now used it for a purpose in your life and mine, a spiritual one, and is a gift to you and to me. We all need more perseverance. All of us want to be people of character. And you and I, in a world that is broken and dying, where, where, where pain is real, 
God wants us to hold on to hope that there's something better. Hope in a better place. Hope that is ours found in Jesus. And so we can say that pain is a, is a gift, gives spiritual gifts from God, and is not God's goof. God did not goof up. Adam and Eve goofed up. So God can take the bad and, and use the pain that's going to exist and cause it to be used for your good, for the good, your spiritual and eternal good. And I'm going to say this out loud. I struggle with this promise of God. Like I struggle with using it as a pastor when in your lives you're going through something that's really bad because it almost minimizes the bad. Like God never minimizes the bad. The bad breaks the heart of God. But God wants to know even the bad, the worst of things this side of heaven, he can use for spiritual good, your good, my good. And that's not a goof. That's a gift. Which is why this promise is so important to hold on to. Romans chapter 8, 28, perhaps one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, maybe one that you've heard before, memorized before, is your confirmation verse from long before. At our Thursday night service, I had a lady who said, Pastor, that verse was so powerful and important for me and my husband 30 years ago when he was in the hospital and his heart had pains. And the pastor came when we didn't know what was going to happen and said, no matter what happens, God will use this for good. He'll either bring healing or he'll bring him home. This verse is one that speaks to us when things in this life don't appear good in our life, but maybe, just maybe, they remind us God will work it for the good of someone else that he loves. And so I want you to hear the promise and I want you to give you, give you the truth so that you can hold on to it. Let's read the verse again if we can go back to it for just a second. We know that in all things, no is oida knowledge. So it's not uh, the Greek word gnosko, experiential. Like sometimes we experience things and thus the knowledge, like I've lived it. Like I can see the gain from the pain of weightlifting. That's not this kind of ex uh, experiential knowledge. No, this is foundational knowledge uh, of God. It's a belief because of who God is, not because of the words written on the page, but because the one who's behind the promise. We know. And you know how we know that this promise is true and good? Because God endured the pain. God knew that what was in store for you and me in the future because of our sin was pain, pain of hell. And there was no way you could gain heaven on your own. And so Jesus stepped into our shoes. He walked to the cross. He lived a perfect life. He knew that no pain for him, that no gain for you. And so he took on the pain, and you get all the gain. That's our God. We know that. The Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to see that. And he wants you to hold on to that. And that's what we know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We know for the good in all things, for the lovers of God, God works. Is literally kind of the order in Greek. It's no, it's good. For those who love God, all things work. 
Like the, the direction God wants you to look in the promise is God. And he wants you to remember who you are, lovers of God, who so loved the world. And he promises that he works in all things. For those who've been called according to his purpose, and you know what God's good and gracious will is, what his purpose is for you and for me and for all, is to see us on the streets of heaven one day in the promised land. And that God says suffering and pain can be used for good spiritually. And so I want you to hear the promise and maybe put it in words that you can hold on to. Here it is. All things may not be good. Like marriages that fall apart and are broken because of fruitlessness and unfaithfulness are not good. God does not love that. It is not good. And a whole lot of pain is caused. Cancer, heart disease, the, the, the things that happen as a result of genetics to people because sin is real and we are in a broken world. It's not good in and of itself. Like five-year-olds with leukemia, your spouse dying suddenly of a heart attack, whatever it is, those things of this broken world, all things may not be good. But God can and will work all things for good. Like sometimes the bad, the disease that is incurable is what God uses to bring you to the good, <laughs> eternal good. And that doesn't mean that those who are left behind look at it as good and it won't make life good at all times, but God used it for good. Sometimes what you go through is for their good. Like when other people see a, a child of God enduring pain, persevering in pain, character through the pain, having hope in the pain, it draws people close to God. It's the megaphone that God uses to bring them back. Like sometimes God uses the pain for good of others. It's his megaphone. Sometimes the pain that God uses that you go through for good, three years later, you might get to see how God used it. Two days later, you might go, oh my goodness, that was my aha moment. Or this side of heaven, you might never see it. It's not on your timetable, it's on God's timetable. You might not know who your life touched or how God used it, but God promises he will use it for good, spiritually and eternally, for those who are lovers of God. God's not the author of pain, he's present in the pain. He promises spiritually he can bless you and will use it in the pain, and he says he will use it for good. And so I pray, I can just plead with you to trust that God who knew that without enduring the pain, you and I wouldn't get the gain. And if he's that good of a God, he's able to use our pain for good. Which is why I want to leave you with one more thing and point you ahead to next week. Like Romans 8, it's maybe the greatest chapter in all the Bible. Like it's, it's no more inspired than Ezra chapter 2, but Romans 8, read it from beginning to end. Justification, sanctification, Holy Spirit, how to deal with pain, the victory that is ours in Christ. Like it is an amazing chapter. If you read it every day, it's the only chapter in the book of the Bible you read, you'd be blessed in a lot of ways. Read some other stuff, but Romans 8 is amazing. Here's God's promise. He works for good, and here's why that promise is good and rock solid. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or future, any powers, height or depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing, nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Jesus wins. You win as a result. There's not a single thing you go through, no pain uh, that you will endure or experience this side of heaven, nothing that the devil can throw your way that can change your status before God. That's God who makes a promise to you and to me that he can and will use all things, even pain, for good. So when you're going through it, remember that God's not the one who planned it, but he's present in it, and he'll work it and use it for good. His good. Until the day you join him in the promised land and experience the goodness of that God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know there are people here today who are dealing with pain. Some of it's current. Some of it's as a result of things that happened in the last year or two years. Uh, and some of us, Lord, might not be experiencing a whole lot of pain now, but we, we might be tomorrow or two years from now. So Lord, I pray for all of us that in the midst of the pain, we hold on to the promise of your presence that when there's pain, we don't question you and your love. You're not the one who, who planned for pain. It wasn't a part of your original plan, but you use it, Lord, now in your plan for our spiritual good. So, so Lord, if, the, if we're in pain and when we're in pain, use it to produce perseverance and character and build us up in, in hope. Because in this world in which there's so much trouble, we don't want to lose hope. Hope in you, and the ultimate promised land that awaits. So Lord, for all those in our church family who are dealing with difficulties, we lift them up, ask that you are present in their pain, and encourage them to know that you will use it and can work it for good, even though it might not be, be good in their life right now.